Hello, Queer Geek Cast listeners. So this is the last episode of this portion of the season. I do have another interview set up and two conventions coming up, so the hiatus might not be too long, but I don't know quite when we'll be back. However, I do want to let you guys know, um, now we're on iTunes, and we also have had to invest some money into our hosting. So if you want to support us and help keep this podcast going, please contribute to the Geeky Aries Patreon uh, or you can donate directly to us by paypaling thegeekiery at gmail.com and just let us know that this is for the Queer Geek cast. If you do that, I might give you a shout out on one of the next few episodes. Like I said, there are a couple conventions coming up as well as one more interview in the works. So uh, head on over there and help keep us going. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Queer Geek Cast, hosted by the Geekiery. Here we'll discuss various LGBTQ plus topics in relation to geek culture and fandom. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Queer Geek Cast for updates on upcoming episodes. Let's have a chat. So today's topic is another broad one, gaming. In 2016, it was an over $30 billion a year industry in the U.S. alone, nearly $100 billion worldwide. Um, So it's a significant part of geek culture. So significant that within it, there's even subcultures such as gamer, G-A-Y-M-E-R. That term dates back to 1991, but has recently sort of emerged as kind of its own culture on its own. In addition to the subcultures within it, we also have more and more representation within games themselves. So like with all media, we find ourselves in these games. Uh, I'm not an avid gamer myself outside of sim-related games like The Sims and SimCity, etc. But with me today, I have two guests who actually are, so they're actually going to educate me on this topic a little bit. So we have Lou and Kai. Lou, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Lucian Clark. I run the website GenderTerror.com, which is a queer horror website. When it comes to gaming, in 2014... I was the person who brought to attention that Blizzard didn't allow trans clans. I've also done uh, extensive work and talks at places such as GamerX East. Uh, my name is Kai. I'm one of the editors at the Geekiary, and my gamer life is old enough to drink by now. <laughs> All right. Um, so we're going to start talking about um, guilds, which I'm not too familiar with how this works when you guys do MMOs. Lou, it sounds like you have a lot of experience with guilds for MMOs and stuff like that. Can you tell me a little bit about that? So generally, most of the advertising comes in the name. The naming of the guild is extremely important. For a while, when I was very active on Reddit, it started back when I ran the Trans Gamers subreddit. We have a Trans Gamers Steam group as well. So making sure that branding goes across multiple platforms helps as well. And as I said, back in 2014, when Blizzard allowed Diablo 3 to have clans, uh, the word trans was banned me and my me and my girlfriend we were trying to make a trans gamers clan on diablo and when she went to put in for trans gamers it didn't let us we tried trans we tried trans we tried transgender and we narrowed it down to trans and trans being uh banned but at the time despite it being relatively new there was a gamer clan still g-a-y-m-e-r and other lgbtq clans and such like that so we had to bring it to blizzard's attention and that was a whole big fun fiasco in and of itself and the way blizzard i don't know if they still do it but you had to go through the forms and blizzard forms are absolute hell i got death threats 
I had people constantly misgendering me on purpose. I had people comparing being trans to bestiality and all kinds of just random off the wall, really offensive kind of things. And that was within the first two pages of the thread being active. So that was a lot of fun. But I also got probably my favorite insult ever, which was a being a sexually confused garbage fire. No, sexually confused dumpster fire is what it was. That's amazing. So, I would put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> I would wear that t-shirt. That's pretty great. <laughs> that was, that's been my experience with it. I don't do MMOs too often, so I've never been really in the WoW. I did EverQuest when I was very, very, very young. We all did EverQuest. EverQuest was, I think, <laughs> baby's first MMO. <laughs> so the purpose of these guilds, though, is kind of to make a space... I guess, for people to interact without the fear of that sort of harassment. So the fact that you were trying to get this space created (laughs) and you had to face the harassment to try to get it created, it's almost kind of ironic. Like, you're wanting to create this group and by trying to get that done, it's kind of proving the fact that these groups should exist. Exactly. That's That was basically my thing. This is a space for people who go in and they already know they're with like-minded people. They don't have to explain and re-educate and talk to and deal with having to be like, oh, well, yeah, this, this. They don't have to deal with the excessive questions. They don't have to deal with the redundant statements or the, oh, I wouldn't have ever guessed. That's constantly, you know. So these, these clans and these guilds exist as a way to kind of skip all that. Everybody has the same mindset in a way that, okay, we all are queer, or we're all trans, or we're all understanding of that type of dynamic. Um, Because even with, like, the gamer and the trans things, you didn't have to be trans or LGBTQ. You could be an ally or a partner of somebody, you know, to get into these these clans. And so it was just a way to just skip the constant badgering that comes sometimes when you're dealing with people who might not necessarily be ill-intended, but just simply don't know because when it comes to gaming it tends to be an escape not being trans myself um i have trans relatives and family and friends but uh i imagine and correct me if i'm wrong that it's like i have i have an invisible disability more or less and i but i have a service dog to help me with that and pretty much everywhere i go in the world i can't go 15 minutes without someone asking me about it um, so I would imagine it's the same thing where you just kind of get tired. Anyway, I want, to, I want to leave people with a positive impression, but at the same time, I don't want to talk to you and be a learning experience every hour of every day. Yeah, and one of the reasons people play video games is to get away from all that. So to have it just constantly kind of be dragged with you is it's kind of annoying. Um, Lou, I have to say, I, I had heard of that. I'd heard of the controversy, actually, but until you said it just now, I had not put you together with the person who brought that up. Yeah, it was a while ago, too. It was funny, because I think we brought it up. Looking at the dates on the articles, it was my... 2014? It was 2014, but it was also right after my birthday. Oh, oh what a birthday gift. Happy Jeez. birthday! Here's harassment for you in, in lieu of cake. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I remember that Blizzard said it was an accident, some sort of a, of a programming error. Did they ever elaborate on that they did they said it was not intentional that things from game lord esrb ratings are uh sometimes banned and they did lift it pretty pretty quickly so i never really had like a bad taste with when it came to blizzard and dealing with them as much as it was the way they make you go through the forms 
And I also brought up, um, I don't think it's even in their harassment policy to date, um, that they don't cover gender or gender identity as something that was kind of left out. There's a big whole uh, Ars Tecana or Ars Technica article about it that has a Blizzard side of it as as well as mine. It's really interesting. We'll definitely link to that uh, article so people can read it. But yeah, I had no idea that you were involved in that either. Um, Sorry that had to happen to you, though. You kind of took a bullet for a lot of people, um, which sometimes people, you know, have to do, but it sucks being that person. But, you know, you, you did good. It sucks that you had to go through that, though, so I'm sorry. Moving on from MMOs, I know that both of you have very strong feelings about Bioware. I think everyone has strong feelings about Bioware. (laughs) (laughs) So just hit me with your thoughts. Tell me about Bioware. (laughs) Bioware is pretty good at making you feel feelings. I'll give them that. I think think we might be coming at Bioware from different angles because as a female who likes pretty much everyone, men and women, I have uh, a lot of characters. When I'm playing as a female, I have a lot of characters I can romance and a lot of storylines that are pretty well fleshed out. Maybe not as many as the straight guys, but, you know, I I think the first um, non-straight romance in Mass Effect 1 was uh, was a female-female relationship. So I think they've been pretty good at representing women of different sexualities, but they're kind of terrible at trans representation. <laughs> did you did you see Hanley Abrams in Andromeda? Have you gotten there yet? I actually haven't played any of the... I don't play any of the Mass Effect games. I'm the other one, oh, the Dragon Age cool. games. Uh, I don't play the Dragon Age games, so we can talk about either side um. of this. <laughs> but I, I've read up about it. Generally, whenever there's a, a trans character in any video game, I kind of end up finding something about it and reading up about it just as a, a way to get more involved with it. And Bioware has a checkered past, we'll say, when it comes to representation, because sometimes they do okay. Like the, I think it's awesome that being able to romance anyone in some of the later games is pretty cool, um, with everyone being bisexual. But at the same time, I do like how some characters are explicitly gay, like Dorian in Dragon Age Inquisition. But then you have issues like Krem, also in Dragon Age Inquisition, while... He's a pretty well-written trans guy, but in the same game, you have trans misogynistic jokes. You have Iron Bull, who is the characteristic pansexual who will, who will date anybody and anyone, but at the same time, he he's your typical, oh, he's pansexual, so he's, he's instantly kinky, he's instantly off the wall. and So, while they try to represent a lot of people, sometimes I think when they put a little bit more effort into it, they tend to slip. When they try to like put like Dor Dorian's, from my experience is, I can't speak too much. I didn't get very far in Inquisition. Um, pretty pretty all right, but Krem's and Krem's pretty all right, but you know Iron Bull is kind of iffy. And so when they start branching out from okay, everyone's bisexual, done. It's was when the thread starts to kind of unravel a bit. So basically, there was an attempt, and they did good on some of those attempts, but then things kind of hit them or miss the mark is that kind of what i'm understanding about bioware miss the mark and then like if if it requires more than minimal effort like making everyone bisexual which is pretty pretty easy just like okay every every option done you know what i mean check the boxes we're good it it tends to be 
you can see they scratched the surface of trying to get the information, but didn't go the extra level for it. Um, the problem with Andromeda and the Hanley Abrams that we were talking about, Hanley Abrams is a trans woman, and you find this out within two decision trees of talking to her. Uh, she's a scientist, you, you're running around, you see her, you stop and talk to her. Like That's one of the strengths of the game, is you can talk to so many people. The second thing she says... And it's in response to something really insipid, like, why did you come here? Oh, I wanted to find a new life. All you have to do is say, oh, or please tell me more about that. And all of a sudden you get this info dump of backstory to include dead naming herself. Uh, and that's just a really weird thing. Like, I don't know any trans women that will, the second sentence, they don't walk up and say, hello, my name is Amy, but I used to be Doug. That's just... <laughs> That's really insensitive, and I kind of got the feeling that they were trying so hard to, no, we have to have a trans character in here, and now we've checked that box, and we're good, right? Everyone happy? No. It's like they didn't even try, like, running it by, like, a trans person. They're just like, okay, this seems right. Let's let's roll with it. <laughs> we didn't bother to ask, like, Yeah, someone. I'm not trans, and I kind of cringed. <laughs> so uh. the thing with... So it's not so much as she said, hey, I'm trans, because when you're talking to people... If that's her reasoning for being there, that's her reasoning for being there. It's more of, as you were saying, Kai, the dead naming herself out of complete nowhere. The, the unnecessary past information that wouldn't come up for any reason, regardless of saying, yeah, I'm here because, you know, I wanted a new life because I'm trans. I mean, if, she, if she'd said, oh, people were being really unaccepting on my old planet, and, you know, because of this reason, maybe, but... And, and you barely have to talk to her. It's like a casual throwaway kind of thing. Uh, they actually are they are doing a patch for that. I'm not sure if it's out yet. Um, because I'm not currently playing it. I stopped playing it. Um, <laughs> I get a little frustrated. But they're supposed to put a patch out where they're going to make it so that you have to talk to her a little more. And give her a little bit more attention. So she feels like she trusts you. And if you don't treat her well, she actually won't tell you that. Interesting. I didn't have heard, so, yeah, haven't heard about that. Patch. As far as I know, it's not it's not put in yet. Another thing with Bioware, as I was saying, um, so I don't have the exact jokes with me. Um, I know there was a couple in the previous Dragon Age games, too, but in the same game that they have Krem, they're like, oh, look at this awesome trans representation. There's jokes at the expense of trans women. And I know that there's a couple. So... It's like, you tried, and then you didn't quite actually try. They, 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 as, as Kai was saying, they put the character in, they put kind of, sort of, required bare, bare bones effort into it, and then didn't think about anything overarching in the games. Now, I don't know if there's anything like that in the Mass Effect. I can't think of any, I can't think of any right now, specifically, but there have been times when someone has said something around a character that is, they'll make a character, they'll make a joke about it, uh, and the joke, the punchline of the joke will be that something was gender non-conforming. They don't do it a lot. It's just kind of like throwaways, and it's usually in characters where they do the joke to demonstrate that this character is, like, rough and plain speaking. I believe that backstory comes up from Bull. The transphobic joke is from Bull. It's possible. Yeah, I can't remember. As I said, I didn't get very far into Dragon Age Inquisition. I'm not very good with open world games. Unless they're Horizon Zero Dawn. And that's about it. <laughs> which we'll talk about later. <laughs> I know there's strong feels about that one. Um, besides Bioware, are there any other companies that are doing um, representation, either good or bad? I have a list of <laughs> trans characters in random video games. 
pretty much the first trans character in a game. The very first one that I could find. I did research for this because I'm a grown-up. The very first one you could find was actually Birdo? Yes. In Super Mario? Yeah, or Birdetta. Uh, Birdetta. Excuse me, let me actually Birdetta. Uh, that was... I wouldn't exactly call that good representation. It was It was actually an entire joke no. character. Um, this was the late 80s. Same with uh, Poison being trans. Poison. I remember... I was very young... But I had a lot of relatives at the time who played a lot of games. I was too young to be allowed to play. Um, I was much too young to be, to be allowed to play. But I remember a lot of relatives were like trying to figure out whether Poison was supposed to be a guy or a girl. And it was like a big discussion. And they would stop talking about it as soon as I walked in. <laughs> Which is really silly because I had two dads. <laughs> <laughs> So, with Poison, it started out, like, she was trans over in Japan, I believe, and then not trans over here, and then they made her post-op, and then the creator said she wasn't actually trans, and it's been, it's a whole, like, there's a whole big slew of stuff. Um, And it started with, originally, Poison being, having, like, a color swap palette, and being a male character, and there was, I think they were twins, a male and a female character, and when they were bringing the game over, they're like, oh, probably beating up on a woman isn't probably a good idea. Oh, we'll just say she's actually a dude. And it's like, and Poison uh, is in a final fight. That's Capcom. Yeah, so. For the home game. Early, early representation, at least from that end, isn't the greatest. Um, I have, there's... Uh, RuneScape recently introduced a trans woman character, Anne Goff, who is a trans woman elf, while Crystal Shapeshifter started as an elf. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn actually kind of sorta has a trans character. They kind they dance of. around they they dance around it a lot, and that's a I'm gonna butcher his name his name, uh, Geneva. Geneva. And, yeah, he's in a role that's as a um. A jail warden, basically. And he's a royal guard. And and it's an all-male role. And Aloy in- immediately goes, Oh, glad to see a sister or something like that in Karja armor or whatever. And he immediately goes off, I'm not one of your sisters. No woman can wear the Karja armor. I want to become a soldier. And that's like the end of it. And he refuses to let Aloy or anybody refer to him as like a woman or anything like that so he's pretty heavily coded as a trans guy but it's never they don't say it and I can understand maybe not having that language but they don't say it but not even correcting like oh no he or anything like that kind of leaves it in this ambiguous area which is actually a a problem in in a lot of games um, the implied and rarely said kind of trope that's generally done with queer sexuality and gender. So those are those are the ones I have at least recently. Um, you know, the trans woman character in Andromeda, Krem, Geneva, um, Angoff. There's Poison Burdetta from going back in the day. Um, apparently, the new Zelda game has a trans woman character, but I'm not even gonna talk about her because of how just awful that whole thing is 
Like she has like a beard and everything like that, and just I've heard about that. It was in a she was in a town full of women, and you have to you have to go and meet up with her, and if you misgender her, she won't help you with the main storyline, and you can't finish it. But then she does dress Link up as a woman, and apparently this is very funny. Yeah, it's uh it's the Gerudo Village, so it's it's the whole playline has a bunch like so she has a beard as i was saying and like the way you find out about that is it like the wind pushes her veal out and it's like oh, look she has a and it's a whole big awful freaking horrible mess and it's just gross Ugh, that sounds pretty terrible i know that you mentioned uh horizon zero dawn as having uh potentially a trans character but also i believe that you mentioned that there are no gay characters whatsoever <laughs> tell me a little bit about that so i have nearly 100 percent in horizon zero dawn i'm working on it i am determined to 100 percent that game i want to platinum it and uh wow yeah no life and uh i love it a lot it's a lot of fun and i as i was saying before i i don't it's do open world games but this is an open world game where there's not a lot of micromanaging, which is what I can't do with open world games, which is why I couldn't do Dragon Age Inquisition for the life of me. There is too much to micromanage. And so I'm playing through the game, and I'm doing all these quests for people, and I'm helping all these people out. And at one point, there's a quest, and you have to go... The minor spoilers, I'm not going to give, like... They're like side quests, I'm not going to give any super big story spoilers. And you have to help this girl, she like... You, her, her dad wants you to find find her, and you go, and she's on this island surrounded by robot crocodiles, and she's like, oh, yeah, I'm out here. There, I'm alone. There's nobody here. And you're like, why are there two sleeping bags then? And there's clearly, it's very clearly, there's obviously another person. And my first thought is, her dad doesn't accept she's gay. She has, you know, a girlfriend, and they're out here. This is where they go. And nope, it's a boy. And it's a whole Romeo and Juliet, like, straight-ripped Romeo and Juliet storyline. And I'm just like, oh, this sucks. And I realize, and this is near, like, the end the end part of the game, and I'm realizing none of these side quests, none of these characters I've talked to are gay. If you have to do something, it's go find my husband. Or if it's a guy, go find my wife. And there's another quest where you can set up two people to date. They're straight. And... <coughs> As I was going through the games, like, a lot of the girls kind of hit on Aloy. And so, you'll see a lot of people like to ship the, um, Hunter's Guild lady, whose name I can't remember for the life of me, with Aloy. And it's, no, no one. No one's queer. And it's weird that you have civilization completely reborn from some near catastrophe or whatever. Not gonna go into story spoilers. And apparently, when this happened, somehow they bred out being queer because nobody anywhere. Not even like when you see groups of people. And it bothers me because you want this world to be believable, and it's in the future, and they have all this cool stuff. There's robot dinosaurs, but no one's gay. Yeah. No one's gay. Are there are are there any other games that have um? queer characters besides trans characters like are there any uh, like same-sex romances in any games at all uh for horizon zero dawn for any game oh, whatsoever any game? i'm not a gamer i don't know you guys educate me 
Well, there's obviously the the Bioware games. Where everyone's bisexual. Bioware is kind of... Uh, we were talking earlier about how they have a mixed reputation. But in general, I would say if you, if you asked gamers which... Uh, companies were putting out which big name companies that would be easily recognized by non-gamers were putting out games that were at least trying to push the limits Bioware would probably come up um, they have a really they do have a spotted mixed record they're not perfect but they are among among what people would consider the more progressive game companies so is no one else even really trying besides them I mean, you have a bunch of, like, indie games and stuff like that, but when it comes to AAA and big name, there's not a lot of games, that, at least that I've played, that I can think of besides the Bioware games where you really have romance options. I mean, there is Naughty Dog and The Last of Us. Um, oh, yeah, has, I about that. You have Fallout, which has uh, romance options for um, same-gender partners. And then I'm trying to think what else. Um, um, Life is Strange. But that's a whole can of worms that I could do a whole separate podcast about. <laughs> um, Borderlands. Tangina. Borderlands, yes. Janie. Janie, 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 Janie. Uh, she's from the pre-sequel. The first character you meet. Big ol' lesbian. And... Uh, I actually had the the pleasure to talk to Anthony Birch about Janie, uh, because I've written an article about how, as I said before, queer sexualities and genders and stuff like that are implied as opposed to flat out said. It'll be like a sort of reference here, like the first gay Mortal Kombat character, uh, Kun Jin, um, the only thing you get is him saying, I can't, they won't accept, and then Raiden saying, oh, it's what's in your heart and not whom your heart desires, and it's like, that's it. It's pretty much the only reference you get to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that was, uh, that was like two or three years ago? Yes. Um, so, when it comes to queer sexuality in games, you get a lot of, we're gonna kinda hint at it so that you just know enough that you can infer it as opposed to saying here's my boyfriend you know so yeah because earlier you mentioned implied but never said and i think you wrote a paper on that correct yes which is where i talked to anthony birch about uh janie because Mm. well janie is very very obviously gay she says nothing to guys she talks about her girlfriend but at the same time she never says, hey, I'm a lesbian. She never uses the word girlfriend to refer to her deceased girlfriend. So even while Janie's very unapologetic in her sexuality, she still doesn't flat out say it. And I'm wondering, it's partially because I think people who don't have experience being queer feel like, oh, people don't talk about it. They don't say it all the time. Meanwhile, all of us sit here and just scream I'm gay at each other for hours on end. <laughs> it's very <laughs> So, they want it to appear natural, but in the same time, it, it comes off as kind of hush-hush and passive. And so you get that. And then you also have the problem where in these worlds, oh, they don't really experience homophobia, so why should they ever talk about it or even mention it? without realizing just even if you don't experience discrimination, it's still a huge 
part of your life and it's still a giant impact on you. I mean, you would use gendered words to talk about your partner unless mm-hmm. your partner didn't have a preferred gender. Unless your partner preferred gender-neutral pronouns, you would probably say my girlfriend or my boyfriend or you'd say mm-hmm. my partner and they just naturally you wouldn't uh, dance around it. You see, it's interesting when people bring up, oh, this world does not have, you know, homophobia or transphobia or anything like that. So why why bring it up? Um, there's kind of two different camps when it comes to this. Um, there's the camp that's like, well, that's not, you know, uh, sometimes we do want to see this because it's the type of thing that we experience in real life. And then there's the camp that's, oh, we see this enough in real life. Let's have an escape. But when you go down that ladder road, let's have an escape, then it does kind of feel hush-hush. It feels like they, they avoid pronouns that would give it away, etc., etc. So, I mean, people want different things out of media. Like, if you want to see those issues tackled, cool. There's stuff out there in TV and movies for it. If you don't want to see it tackled, there's not many options, but it's starting to grow. So, in video games, it's kind of interesting to see that that's... It's kind of going down the ladder road, but not necessarily in a good way. Is that kind of what I'm understanding? A little bit, and it's not even that, like, it's so it's like, okay, so you have a world that doesn't experience homophobia, people don't care either way. So why doesn't they, as you, they, they use gender-neutral terms, so why don't they just say, oh yeah, my girlfriend, or oh yeah, my boyfriend, as opposed to, well, you see, there's this person, and they just go... Vague, roundabout... Way of explaining it, that they don't actually engage in it, because they don't feel the need to engage in it. Um... And then there's also the problem with people feel that if they engage in it, that's all they're going to define the character as. And in my opinion, if that's how they feel, then they shouldn't be trying to write characters. Not even just queer characters, but characters in general. Is if you have them say one thing and you can't write them out of that box, then that's a creative issue and not necessarily an issue when it comes to queer representation. Are we going to talk about The Sims? The Sims is interesting, and Sims is the only game that I really play. Um, finally, I know something that we're talking about. It's amazing! I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but Sims very early on uh, broke some boundaries because you could romance characters of the same uh, sex. Like, So that caused controversy <laughs> because it wasn't like they were they were making these characters anything, the player makes the character something. So it's completely up to the player what they want that character to be. Um, And then lately they've done something else where you can um, assign different features that might be... Uh, doesn't necessarily relate to the character's assigned, like, sex. So you can have a character that presents as male, be male, you know, in any way, uh, give it a male name, etc., etc. But since at the very beginning you made it female, apparently, I haven't played this part of it yet, they can, like, give birth and stuff like that. That's caused some controversy, too. Now, since I haven't actually played that version of it, I don't have first-hand experience. Sims has always sort of left it as completely open to whatever the character whatever the player wants it to be so it's kind of been a place for people to push those boundaries on their own and it's caused controversy and it hasn't always been perfect but it's the only game I play so I'm always like making all the lesbian characters house filled with lesbians like 20 of them like (laughs) 
like, <laughs> so I've enjoyed that freedom, um, and I've been doing that since I was, like, a teenager when I was still kind of questioning everything, so that was... <laughs> I would hide that game from, like, my aunt and uncle on their computer so they couldn't accidentally open it and see what I was up to, but that was fun. <laughs> uh, the thing I like about The Sims is if you watch how the different versions have evolved uh, in as far as what you were allowed to do. For example, uh, same-sex marriage with your Sims characters. Um, in the first version, you could romance whoever you wanted, but there was no, there was no proposal or marriage option if you were in a same-sex couple, uh, it didn't really matter. I mean, you could just, you could still move them in together and change their names and call them, uh, you know, husbands. And if you had a mod in, you could do it. But uh, the core game left no option for it. Um, in the next version, uh, Sims 2, you were if you were a same-sex couple, you were allowed to have a joined union. So they basically gave them civil unions in the Sims, and and it had. Pretty much most of the same benefits. Um, Sims and a same-sex couple might have an aspiration to have a joined union instead of a marriage. Um, so it didn't really matter. It was just weird that it didn't really matter as far as gameplay. It was just weird that they felt the need to differentiate it. And that's actually been wiped out um, in three and later. They can get married. They can adopt. Um, I've heard that they can now uh, be presenting as male but have babies, but I have not yet seen it done. Also, uh, there was supposed to be a same-sex couple pre-made out in the world in Sims 4, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> like, I haven't seen them. Has anyone seen them? I have not seen them, but basically I spend hours creating houses and characters and then never actually play it. That's kind of what I do. <laughs> so I'll, I'll make my house of lesbians and, and play it for like a couple hours and then move on to something else. <laughs> so uh. I like to play them. Uh, I like to play them and make their lives happy uh, when I'm feeling stressed out and then of course are you one of those am i one of those i was gonna say i was gonna say you're one of those people that when you're upset you take you put them in a pool and take their ladder away oh well no okay when i <laughs> when i'm upset i make my sims lives perfectly happy and i make them achieve their goals and i'm like you know what i didn't get anything done today but these imaginary people their life is doing quite well and i do when i met at a person but it's not like socially appropriate. I get too angry sometimes and it's not socially appropriate for me to take the anger out on people. So I will make a little representation of them in the Sims world and just murder them in increasingly horrific ways. <laughs> um, I know a lot of people like to drown them in the pool, but I find that takes a really long time. And with the more recent games, they've taught them to climb out of the pool. Oh no! Yeah, they'll just What's climb out with What's no ladder. So um, I put them in the basement, and I take the stairways away, and I set the basement on fire, and that works pretty well. <laughs> uh, I, I remember back when one of the the newer Sims games came out. They're like, "Yeah, there's no pools. It's like the pools were expansion only or something." And I was like, "Well, there was my playing the Sims." <laughs> there was there was a in one of it the was when Sims Four recent... came out. There was no pools. They mm -hmm. they put the pools in later. Um, there was, uh, in one of the more recent games, I can't remember if it was three or four, but there was, like, an in-game charity called, like, the Pools Without Ladder Association or something <laughs> that was like that. Three. <laughs> that was three. It was pretty great. <laughs> oh, goodness. It was like the game designers had caught on to all the horrible things that we used to do. Um, <laughs> or when you kill a bunch of them and then you have your own graveyard in the backyard. <laughs> I have I have deliberately murdered scores of sims just for a graveyard that was attractive. <laughs> um, before I learned about modding and 
and uh, and that. Um, more on topic, <laughs> the The Sims was actually, I think, the first game I can think of that had Mpreg in it? Yes, with the alien abduction. So that was the first time they did that. Um, back, I don't know if it was in one, but I know it was in two. Like, it was in two. I didn't like see in one. An, a, a, a male sim could be abducted by aliens and then come back pregnant and have a little alien baby. I don't know if there was anything outside of that specific scenario. The one thing that upset me about that, I used to love that. That was the way all my male characters had children. They would just have, they would spend all their days staring through the telescope, waiting for aliens to come and pick them up. <laughs> um, and it was really strange because the alien children would sometimes be related to each other and sometimes not. <laughs> so apparently my sim was just putting himself out there for whatever alien was nearby. Um, I used to do that to get my same-sex couple's children, uh, if they were guys, because it, it was a lot easier to handle than if I had a same-sex female couple. It was hard. Uh, they basically had to cheat on their spouse if they wanted to have a baby. Um, I used to get frustrated that it wouldn't let the alien baby be the child of the two married Sims. Ugh. I mean, if you adopted a child, yeah, it would be the same child if you were already married, but not Sims aliens. Sims is so weird. No. <laughs> Apparently, the other partner does not like the <laughs> alien baby. This is so weird. I mean, on the one hand, this is great that we have all of this, but on the other hand, it's like, oh yeah, and alien babies. Like, it's just like a normal thing that happens. The Sims is just fan fiction in a video game. Basically. It really is. That is the best description of it. Uh, we should definitely... You could, do, you could do a whole podcast just on the Sims. I really could. Probably. I was going to say, we should also someday do an episode just on, like, fan fiction culture and what that does, but... <laughs> I'm trying to get a talk about fan fiction at a FlameCon. Oh, are you going to FlameCon? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get a fan fiction talk. Nice. We'll see. I'll know in like a week and a half. Good luck. Good luck. I actually took fan fiction research to college uh, when I was getting my degree. I took it to an international conference called CSAS, Central States um, Anthropological Society Conference. That's probably best left for them, but uh, I got to explain things like um, ABO dynamics and nodding to elderly scholarly men. It was delightful. <laughs> that sounds really I'm a furry. Fun. I don't need no fan fiction, con fan fiction <laughs> description. <laughs> Tom does, so. Oh, back on. Any okay. Anything else about representation? Mm, I think I'm good. I don't want to okay. talk. I don't really. I don't really. Lou's here, and Lou would be the expert on, um, or more expert than I am on some things. I mean, I said it before, but as a bi lady, uh, people tend to be more receptive to women having same-sex relationships in video games, and I think that's because a lot of the guys will play women because they animate them with very attractive features, and so there's less resistance to a woman having a same-sex relationship. It's not very fair, but it is very common. It's it's more of the queer identity being marketed towards the straight male gaze as opposed to actual queer people. Do we want to talk about that? Because we can totally talk about that for a yeah, while. That is actually the very next thing that I wanted to uh, jump into. Um, somewhat related to that is like outside of the representation that we see uh, in these characters as players, like you two specifically, um, within the community, I'm kind of curious, like, have you uh, we kind of touched on this with the guilds for the MMOs and stuff like that um, 
it feels like gaming culture is very much aimed towards straight cisgendered men, which you know, that's not exactly the only people that play video games, clearly by the people on this podcast, where there's a lot of different types of people that play games. So I'm kind of wondering, like, with that focus, with the male gaze, with the kind of lens of looking at it through straight cisgendered males, how do you two feel, not just about representation, but about gaming culture in general? It's a very loaded question, I know, but I'm curious. (laughs) Well, it's interesting because there's this perception and it, it persists no matter how many surveys we do and how many times we count gamers, there's this perception that gamers are all young men, like under 23 or so. Uh, and that's just not true. There, There's about an even split between men and women that play video games. Uh, the only real difference in men and women um, who play video games is that more men will say, oh yeah, I'm a gamer, in a survey. Uh, this is from the Pew Research Center. They ran this in 2015. It's the survey that I'm uh, referencing if someone wants to look it up. And they actually found that 50% of men reported that they played video games and 48% of women uh, said they played. But in that number, only 6% of the women agreed that they were gamers and they would use that to define themselves, whereas 15% of the men said that they would use gamers to define themselves. Um, and I think people take that fact in, to mean that women don't play. And it's actually very silly because women play games and they stick with them longer. More more women that are over 35 or so will play video games than men. But we have we still have this idea that young men are the only ones playing and that's where all the marketing goes to. I don't know I don't know if you agree with me, Lou. I'm just I'm going off the uh this survey. No, I definitely agree and that's why things like GamerX exist now. As a way to... Because mainstream gaming cons... Even when you go to them... And I know a lot of people... Of all different backgrounds... Genders, etc. Who go to things like PAX... And even to some extent... Comic Con... And other conferences that... Would, will touch into video games. And... I'll, as you said, the marketing and stuff like that will go towards them. It's the not them, the uh, straight straight men, straight cis men. And so you have offspuns like Gamer X, which has Gamer X in California. There's Gamer X Australia. I've been the Gamer X East, um, which I hope will come around again this year. Um, there's FlameCon, which necessarily isn't video gaming, but it's a, a queer nerd con. And I know there's a couple of missing because there's quite a few that have all sprouted because of this idea that the main gamer is a straight cis guy. Um, It's something that's actually pretty well discussed as a base 101 in uh, a documentary made by my friend called Gaming in Color. I don't know if either of you have heard of that. Heard of? Not seen. I saw it when I was doing research. But I'd love to link to it. Yeah, um, so I know someone who worked on that, Philip. They they were one of the people who worked on that. And so Gaming in Color touches on a lot of how, why things like GamerX exist and how gaming conventions and gaming culture in general tend to push away query people even if they're trying to accept them more in the video games themselves. And so we're seeing the 
the video games kind of toe into, oh, here's queer characters, and you can have queer romances and stuff like that. But even then, you still have the culture with characters. Take, for example, Boulder's Gate, when they added the one random trans woman NPC. Mizuna, right? Mizuna. I don't know her name. I think her name was Mizuna. But the back... But the backlash for simply including her was huge. And then, think of the backlash. I actually remember Mizina. Uh, literally, the entire story. The entire story is if you talk to her, um, she says something like, When I was born, my parents thought that I was a boy. And so I was raised as a boy. And then later, everyone understood that I was a woman. And we just went on from there. And she gives, uh, and she talks about her name. And that's, that's the story. That's it. And people kind of lost their heads over it. And then there's obviously, I know with Mass Effect, people still, still lose their mind over Femship. And even even the way Come we on. we talk about, <laughs> even the way we talk about <laughs> characters, which can be either male or female, Femship, because the yeah. male character is the default. Um, so I would definitely say that when it comes to video games, there's still the idea that straight cis men are the target demographic and i think you can kind of see that in the way queer characters are also made especially queer women characters because a lot of times they're not you don't they're they're femme most of the time you don't see a lot of butch women characters oh they have to be pretty so that they can be looked at don't you understand (laughs) Uh, that's my sarcasm font i don't know if anyone can see it (laughs) And and then you have, like, look at Overwatch. You have Tracer, who is the one, everyone's gay in Overwatch. I don't care, everyone's gay. Um, Tracer's not the only gay character, but the canonically gay character is Tracer. And even with her, she's still kind of, yeah, she's a little bit more on the butchy side. But she's still skinny and pretty. And people like to quote Zarya, like, oh, look, look at the body diversity, but it's like, Zarya is the one character differing body type besides May, and it's like okay, you, the majority are still kind of in this straight male gaze kind of thing. With their God, please don't look at Mercy's model; her spine is broken. Yeah, I mean, as an outsider to gaming culture, it it's a little bit scary sometimes. I mean, now this doesn't relate specifically to LGBTQ plus representation, but. The whole Gamergate issue as a woman frightened me, <laughs> and that um, perpetuated this this image I have in my head that like it's just a bunch of straight scream uh, screaming white guys like upset at anyone else that comes into their clubhouse. But it's not. It is a very diverse fandom and I think these these conventions like Gamer X in San Francisco and and FlameCon and even conventions um not related to games that uh focus on diversity um kind of help prove that like we we're at all these other conventions. I go to San Diego Comic Con every year. Um I go to my local conventions here. Um I but these cons show that there's a significant amount of us, like, all together. It's kind of like a power in numbers type of thing. But 
it it was kind of scary to see that kind of rise and be suddenly the focus of like gaming culture in the media and yeah they're loud and they're angry and they don't like anyone else in their clubhouse but they are not the only gamers out there like it is a very it seems based on you guys maybe i'm just hanging out with the right people i don't know but it seems like there is a diverse group in the gaming community it's just one loud angry group that does get marketed towards that just can't like accept that there's other people that want to play games too i i think it comes from them being coddled in a way as being look they clearly just want to sell to us look at all the marketing that's directed towards us look at how they direct this towards us so they think it's theirs um in a way which obviously isn't true and that's changing but at the same time it's kind of changing in a way that isn't really acknowledging the fact that there's other groups of gamers if that makes sense it's kind of just stepping away from just uh marketing towards them and just kind of i've noticed a dip in video game marketing recently like a huge dip in video i don't know if that's just me with adblock <laughs> no i don't have Guilty. i don't have adblock up and um i've noticed the same thing uh even even as much as last year i've noticed less uh you know on my hulu i used to get all these on my hulu on my cell phone when i'm playing cell phone games or, or scrolling through um i've noticed that there are less ads for games i don't know if that's because uh the game companies are assuming that we're going out and finding these games i don't know where they're doing their advertising but it's not in places that i'm finding like it's not a it's not a queer game but like prey which i really want to play um people are like oh that that's out that's that's happening and i don't know if that's necessarily a good thing i mean marketing consistently is a problem in and of itself that can be a whole nother thing but i don't know if avoiding the entire issue is the way to go but i don't think that's necessarily why they're avoiding marketing so I think it's not. I don't think it's necessarily a correlation equals causation thing here. I could just be making. I'm the thinking jump. right now. I think the only ads for video games or computer games or even uh, smartphone games. I think the only ones I've seen so far are for um, Facebook games. I think that's it. I th mobile games. I think are the biggest perpetuator of how games are marketed. Um, I follow a Tumblr. I don't think I've seen an ad for a game that's not mobile recently. Yeah, I follow a blog called uh, Escher's Girls, which likes to point out anatomical issues in various forms of media. <laughs> and every time it's a video game ad on there, it's this poor girl with her spine busted up so that she can twist and contort so you can see her boobs and butt pose. And it's it's oh, that always pose. mobile oh. games. Always mobile pose. games. Love so much. <laughs> thing is infamous. Like that spans across all media. That goes from gaming to movies to TV. It's the mm -hmm. butt pose. It's yeah. Oh god, comic books too. Like My Luminara. It's it's, it's called Escher Girls because of the comic books and all that. Oh man. Uh, I've actually I've actually seen Escher Girls before. I love the way they, they basically do these overlays. They'll take the character and they actually draw out how she would have to look and where her body would have to go. <laughs> I've seen similar things done with um, 
that one, uh, oh, I'm forgetting the name of it. I want to say Spider-Woman cover. Hawkeye Initiative. Um, oh, the pregnant Spider-Gwen? Spider, oh. spider Gwen? Yeah, Spider-Gwen, there you go. And, like, someone tried to, like, make a 3D model of how she'd have to be positioned in order for that pose to work. And, like, her spine is also broken. We're actually talking about the Milo Minara uh, oh, cover. Oh, yes, yes. And Frank Cho. So we're talking about the same thing. Okay, I didn't know his name, but but yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> not gaming related, but yes, definitely an impossible backbreaking pose. Blank slating characters, and what I mean by blank slating characters, I I mean like so you have a protagonist and you don't know much about them, or they leave it once again implied but never said um, enough that you can kind of infer certain things. Um, my favorite pet theory that I like to scream at people and people tell me to shut up about is Soma being a giant trans metaphor. And I've written a giant article about that. But um, there's also like characters like Sam in Until Dawn, um, who she was the one character's best friend. And she's the only one who's described as that. And so... We have this idea where characters are kind of blank slated so that you can project into them. And it's something that we kind of see a lot in media with video games. Like you were talking about The Sims and stuff like that. But it's more so not just making your own character. But the way protagonists and even other characters are made so that people can identify with them. They leave certain tidbits out. And I think that's really important, not as a representation standpoint, but as a way for people to identify with characters. And it allows for people to write themselves into certain uh, situations and aspects of these characters, which is where you get, you know, headcanons from and AUs and fan fiction and all kinds of different ideas. So I think blank slating characters is actually extremely important for queer people because when we don't have the representation, having these somewhat toned-down, muted characters allows us to be able to see ourselves in that character's shoes. Even if we don't have options of romance, say, like, uh, Mass Effect or anything like that. Because with, say, like, Mass Effect, with the Shepard characters, you still have a defined character, but they're, they're ambiguous enough that you can still put yourself in those shoes. And that's not just for role-playing games either. You can see it with like action games. You can see it with horror games. Stuff like that. Um, and I think that's really important. And isn't something that's really talked about. A lot of people talk about the hard representation. In games. In other forms of media. Like characters that you know for a fact. Or implied queer or anything like that. So I think blank slating is actually a very important device, not just to make sure that, oh, anybody can attach with this main character, but that, so that queer people have an in. Um, I feel it was something that was more important back when representation wasn't really a thing. Um, so back when characters, we didn't have as much of a diversity as we do now. But I still it's, feel it's something that is important from a writer's standpoint to leave certain things when it comes to main characters as long as if 
your intent is for the person to identify with this character to leave them blank slated in certain aspects of their their uh oh what's the word not descriptions but in certain as yeah per not not necessarily personalities because you could say shep identity yeah i would say probably like leaving certain key aspects out thank you two so much for uh joining me for this week Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Queer Geek Cast. Please head on over to our host website, thegeekiery.com. That's T-H-E-G-E-E-K-I-A-R-Y.com. And consider supporting us on Patreon. Views expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and do not represent the podcast or host website, The Geek Yeri. Our music is Fear the Future by Dub Machine. Used through the Creative Commons license through Sample Swap. Want to join in on the conversation? Send us comments via text or audio to our email address, queergeekcast at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you for listening.